Welcome to the Nerd Stalgic Podcast with your host, the Ginger Howdy beans, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Nerd Stagic Podcast with me, your host, Luke the Human. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're all good. As per usual, today we're going to get super nerdy hardcore. Some of you might remember, depending on when I release this episode, that maybe a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, I wrote on Twitter that I was looking into a super nerdy hardcore sort of genre topic that I couldn't talk about and that this was a topic that unless you was a super fan of this certain thing or um, if you were really really sort of into old-fashioned pop culture and that sort of thing you might not even know these things exist um, and it's new that I, I haven't seen anybody in the podcasting space done it and anybody and really seen anybody in the Doctor Who podcast in space cover this at all either. Um, so Today, I'm going to be talking about the 1965 movie Doctor Who and the Daleks starring Peter Cushing. Um, I've never watched this movie and I'm really, really looking forward to getting into it. But before we get into that, before we get into all the fun stuff, I just want to do a bit of housekeeping. Um, make sure that you follow me on Twitter at nerdstagic underscore pod to be we kept up to date and everything and anything that I am doing. Um, also, make sure to follow me on YouTube. Oh, oh, subscribe to me on YouTube at the Nerd Stage Podcast. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, and like things. If you're already listening to this episode, it helps me out immensely. All likes help. All comments help. And obviously, subscribes help so much more as well. So, um, that is today's uh, topic. I'm going to be talking about uh, the Peter Cushing Doctor Who movie. Um, I'm really, really excited for this one. It's going to be so much fun. As you all know, I have a deep, deep love for Doctor Who. I, I love it. I've read the comic books. I read the books themselves. I've covered a few of the books here on the on the podcast. Um, I've covered the sort of Ninth Doctor's era. I'm currently waking my way through the Tenth Doctor's era, and I'm going to cover that one. And I'm going to do uh, Matt Smith and a Peter, 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 Peter Capaldi. Um, and we'll do the thirteenth Doctor, the fourteenth Doctor when the sixtieth anniversary comes out, and then eventually shoot Gawa, and then we're just going to keep going. Uh, but I also want to look at the older sort of Doctors as well. So there is going to be a lot of uh, back and forth with this. So I decided to go back to the actual movie because I haven't got any of the original um, episodes. I like I was looking into getting the box sets because Doctor, what they're doing recently, the BBC, they're releasing periodically each year um, a season of the original classic um, Doctor Who episodes. So you get the box set. Uh, there's loads out. I think the latest one coming out soon is one of, um, oh, the Fifth Doctor's one. Uh, I can't remember what season it is, but this, his one's coming out this year, I think soon. Um, so I was looking into getting those, but they're really, really expensive. So I figured where else to start would be with sort of the movies with Peter Cushion. As you know, because I'm a, like, again, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Um, I've only seen a few classic Doctor Who episodes, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. You know, this episode is not just going to be look at the movie, but it's just going to allow me to kind of really gush over my love of Doctor Who. Um, so be ready for that. There's going to be ready for a lot of gushing. More gushing than I do normally. I'm going to gush completely here, all over you. Uh, that, that sounds disgusting. I do apologise. <laughs> um, moving on swiftly, quickly. Um, 
but yeah, I've only seen a few of the older original sort of Doctor Who episodes. Uh, mostly all sort of Tom Baker. I grew up with with, mo- with a lot of Tom Baker's era. Still haven't watched all of Tom Baker's episodes. There's still a lot of seasons and, and episodes I haven't seen. Um, like the Pirate Planet, seen that, or um, ah, oh, the City, a uh, City of Death, which was a really, really good one. Um, fascinating. I've even read the book to it, which is incredible. Um, but Tom Baker is my favourite of the classic Doctors. But that is sort of as far as I've gone. I've seen a few of um, Colin Baker. I've seen a few of Vesta McCoy. You know, I've seen a few bit of Peter Davison, but mostly it has been Tom Baker. He is my favourite classic Doctor because of that, because he was the original that I watched. Because my first introduction, and I've said this before, but just to rehash it here, my first introduction to Doctor Who was the 2005 when the show sort of came back with Chris Eccleston. Um, before then, I didn't know what Doctor Who was. I thought it was a brand new thing. I didn't realise it was this sort of old classic sort of series that had been revived. Didn't know any of that. I was only a young beam. And then I remember because... Um, the new sort of revival series did well. I think the Sun newspaper, uh, if you bought a Sun newspaper, you used to get, you'd get a free um, DVD of a classic episode from the original Doctor Who. Um, my granddad always never missed, an, never missed an issue of the Sun. Every day he would have a new issue of the Sun, right? So he'd collect all these sort of DVDs for me. And it, it would be, you know, you'd have a bit of the third Doctor, a bit of the fourth fifth six you know there would be a bit of uh, of all of them but um my granddad again he liked the original doctor Who as well um and he liked um tom baker so he mostly just collected the tom baker ones he gave me the other ones as well but he, he had a good collection of the tom baker ones that they gave out so those are the ones that i watched the most of because i just enjoyed him more because he was like well we all know what tom baker's like he is personically the doctor you know, I'm not here to talk about and gush over Tom Baker, but it's just me to kind of way that I can gush over Doctor Who in general to show how much I love it. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of where I started with the classics, and that's kind of where it's ended, really. Um, for me, in terms of classics, the only way that I've managed to go back to sort of um, the classics was is with Big Finish. Now, one thing that I want to get into is kind of where this idea came from, actually go back to... Um, the original uh, movies and the reason why I started with uh, the Peter Cushing uh, movie and not with uh, Paul McGann's film. So um, the reason I decided to go back and watch this movie was because of Big Finish. Um, a bit, if you have done what Big Finish is, Big Finish is a um, audio sort of adventure sort of production. And they mostly do sort of Doctor Who, but they do the, the likes of like Blake Seven. They do things like the Christmas Carol. Um, they they do uh, Touchwood. They do. I'm trying to think what else they do. Um, oh, it's like a Sherlock Holmes Lightfoot, I think it is sort of thing. It's like it's it's part of the Doctor Who universe, but it's like it's like its own sort of sub series. Um, I think they did Sarah Jane. They do, they're recently doing Sarah Jane now. They do loads. It's mostly all Doctor Who, but it's around that sort of audio adventures. And I love them. I've listened to loads. If you haven't listened to any Doctor Who, um, Big Finish episodes, I highly recommend them. If you have a Spotify account, right, it's between us, Beans, right? This is some secret information we're about to give you here. Um, But if you have a Spotify account, premium or not, uh, there are ways around it if you don't have premium. Uh, But it's free. 
So if you have a Spotify account, just type in Doctor Who Big Finish and you can listen to the first 50 uh, monthly uh, doc, uh, Doctor Who Big Finish episodes. Um, highly recommend it. Check into it. Um, it's incredible. And that's how I've been listening to them. The reason I bring that up is because as of well as reading the books, I have listened to a few Big Finish episodes here and there whenever they release free ones because sometimes they, Big Finish, they will release free episodes, mainly to short adventures, that sort of thing. But um, when I discovered that they're on Spotify, I was slowly going through them. They're only like an hour to two hour long. They're not long adventures. They won't take a big chunk of your time out. Um, and maybe in the future, I will talk about Big Finish a lot more. more. So I've listened to more of it. Maybe I'll do a, like a top 10 or top 50 of favorite episodes. Um, but what, what I started listening to is sort of the monthly range. And this is kind of the beginning from like 1999. They, it, each, each month, they would release a new episode. Now, I don't know everything about Big Finish. So if I'm wrong here, please, if you're a super fan, don't kill me. Um, I'm new to Big Finish. And to be honest, there's so much to it. It's going to take me a long time to get through any, all of it, really, if I ever do, because there is years and years and years of it. Um, but they did a monthly range starting from like 1999 all the oh, I don't know how far they got to, to be honest. I'm on Goodreads at the moment. I'm trying to go down to what their most recent one, which is book 100. And that last was published, Doctor Who 100. That was in 2007. Uh, but, but it was by each month they would do it. Um, I managed to get through the first 15 books until I got to Doctor Who um, Storm Warning which it features Paul McGann's uh, Doctor. And I basically realised I can't go on because I haven't watched the Paul McGann movie. I've always wanted to watch it. I've said for years that I would sit down and watch the Doctor Who movie with Paul McGann. Um, haven't. And it's a shame because Paul McGann is an incredible actor. He's an incredible um, talent. And it does pay me that he hasn't really had his chance to really shine as the Doctor. He has a big finish. If you listen to any of the big finish episodes, which I have listened to a few here and there, um, I listened to one where he had, I think it was, I think it was Mary Shelley. He had her as a companion, and um, they were they had an adventure called, I think it was called the Silver Turk. And it was incredibly dark and gritty and spooky um, episode where they basically go to this. Without trying to spoilers, they go to this sort of carnival and they find this sort of man robot thing. And instantly, instantly the doctor knows what it is, but to everybody else, it's it's really um, what kind of like revolutionary but spooky. Um, I don't want to really spoil what the reveal is of what this creature monster sort of robot thing is, um, but you can probably guess maybe by the word robot what it is. I won't go spoilers, but yeah, he has Mary Shelley as a companion. It's an incredible little sub-series. I do highly recommend checking it out. I haven't finished it yet. I think I've got one or two that I've got to listen to. Um, but definitely check those out. But Paul McGann has done loads. Like, so if you ever want to le learn more about Paul McGann, definitely check out You know, Big Finish for that. But I realised once I got to Storm Warning that I haven't watched the movie. So I looked into looking at buying the movie it's cheap i was going to buy the blu-ray and then as in my research i realized that they were other doctor who movies from 1965 and 1966 uh, with peter cushing i mean if you are a big fan of cinema you know who peter cushing is i was flawed i was like i did not know that peter cushing uh, played the doctor i did not know these movies existed 
it felt like if it, it feels like whenever you are a fan of a topical series and then you realize that there is something in that series that you thought you knew everything about then you realize you just learned something brand new and you was like oh my god how did i not know this um that's how i felt i was like there are movies from the 60s with Peter Cushing. How do I not know this? Peter Cushing is an incredible, monumental actor. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors from Star Wars. Or you know, um, so how is it that I didn't know? So I decided to go online and to buy the Studio Canal uh, edition of the um, Doctor Who movie, and that's kind of where this sort of journey began really um it's no it sounds a bit crazy and i've kind of um hodgepodge the story a bit um but that's where it began really that i wanted to i was listening to big finish i wanted to go on with the paul mcgann sort of uh stories realize i really just need to watch the paul mcgann movie before i move on because his voice is like like he's incredible at um audio like he's not just a fantastic talent, but he has such a great voice for radio, such a great voice for audiobooks and audio adventures that it's like super. It's like, but I think I've mentioned this before, but his voice, you just fall in love with him. Um, and then it pains me that this guy doesn't, hasn't had the opportunity to be the Doctor more. And I really, really hope I've heard, um, I've heard rumblings that maybe um, Rusty Davis was thinking about bringing Paul McGann back for his own sort of mini series like kind of like they did with Sarah Jane Adventures but like the Paul McGann Adventures like the adventures that we didn't get to see like Big Finish like I said they, they've done a fantastic job of really continuing his story continuing his legacy and to be honest he's had tons of tons and tons of adventures uh, Paul McGann has but I want to see him on the screen you know we had that short film which was like the war doctor of him turning into John Hurt's war, war doctor um but I wanted to generally see him, you know, before the time war, during the time war, and then up into the events of where he decides that he's not the man that needs to be for this sort of event, uh, what's happening to his people. So he needs to change to a more ruthless, to a, a basically a war doctor, which he does, John Hurt, and John Hurt does a fantastic job. Um, and that's basically where it began, and I realised that these movies existed. So... That is why I am going to be looking at something that's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly super nerdy. Um, I didn't know it really existed till quite recently. Um, this is not something that I've seen other... I'm sure they have done, but I haven't seen many sort of Doctor Who YouTube accounts or um, even Doctor Who podcasts talk about it. I haven't seen many podcasts talk about it. Um, and I just want to briefly mention here that I've decided to do a bit of a change with uh, the, my style, with my podcast and the content I look at. I've, what I've always done with my podcast is that any topic that I talk about is something that I want to talk about, something that I love and that stuff that um, I'm interested in. And then hopefully people that listen are also interested as well. Um, but I've decided to change it a bit more that I want to look more into older things, um, older TV shows, older movies, older nostalgia uh, things. Um, I don't want to look at things that everybody else is looking at. You're not saying that, you know, for example, I won't look at Starship Troopers or Ghostbusters, but everybody talks about them. And I feel like if everybody talks about them, it's not as fun. It's not as interesting. Um, so I would like to do those sparingly here and there, but mostly look at the older things, things that other people aren't talking about. Fun things, interesting things, things that... Uh, you know, kind of like, for example, the doctor, uh, the doctor, uh, the Bioshock book, 
uh, Rapture. Not really, really anybody's talking about that. Nobody really knew it existed. I introduced it to a lot of people and I've had a lot of people get back to me and say, I didn't know that book existed. You interested me. I've now gone out and um, bought the book and I'm now reading the book. I've had a few people message me say that. And as not just as a podcaster, but just as a fan, that makes me smile to know that I've turned people's sort of um, eyes to something that they didn't know existed. And that's kind of what I want to do now with, with going forwards with the podcast and with episodes is to really look at things that aren't really talked about a lot, that are not really well known and kind of push people towards them to see if something that they would like in, in, in a sort of um, not forceful, like you need to watch this, you need to play this more. So just the fact of this is something that I enjoy. It's something cold. It's something that we not really talked about. I'm not really loved. Um, but I want to, I wanted to talk about it because I, I love and enjoyment in it, you know? So that's kind of where the podcast is starting to go for. So I just wanted to mention that here. Instead of doing like a separate update elsewhere, um, but so that is that's the that's I'm just going through my notes. So that's the idea uh, side of it. One thing I do want to briefly sort of mention uh, before we move on to the actual talking about the production and the actual topic of t- of today, um, I do want to mention the original first ever episode of Doctor Who, which was the Unearthly Child, uh, which aired. Uh, first broadcast on the 23rd of November 1963. Um, the reason I mentioned that is because I thought, I originally in my research thought that um, the movie with Peter Cushing came first and that that was the inspiration for the show. Turns out actually the show came first in 1963 and that um, the movie came later, um, which I will get into in a minute shortly but i just wanted to mention that because i thought it was the way around um so i find it quite fascinating obviously the first doctor uh william hurtnell which he is he's incredible talent himself Um, i've only seen one to two episodes of william hurtnell Um, i think it was mostly i think it was actually the marco polo um episodes but even then only parts because i i think i think i'm not sure um i haven't looked into i think some of those episodes are missing so i've only seen a few parts here and there what has been recovered on youtube and the like um but william hartnell fantastic doctor um i would like to experience him a lot more maybe like in the future if i have the opportunity and have the chance i do want to go back and watch a lot of the older doctor who episodes and maybe kind of like what i do with um the other doctors but more condensed it would be instead of just doing a by season thing just do it as a sort of um overall so instead of like you know we i'm going to do a by season of each of uh, 10 seasons and each of 11 seasons and show how he grows i was just gonna because these episodes are so long and there's so many episodes um i would just do it as the hartnell era the the sort of baker era the well, the tom baker era, the colin baker era you know, the Troughton era, you know, and that sort of thing. So maybe that would be something that I look into the future. But I wanted to mention this because I thought it was really, really interesting. I didn't notice that before. Um, As for the actual topic of today, because we need to get into it, because I could sit here and talk about Doctor Who all day, every day, obviously. Um, But we're here to talk about the uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks. So moving on sort of uh, swiftly. So... Doctor Who and the Daleks is a 1965 British science fiction film directed by Gordon Fleming and written by Milton Sulsky. Um, 
um, S-U-B-O-T-S-K-Y. Um, and the first of two films based on the British science fiction television series Doctor Who. It stars Peter Cushing as Doctor Who, um, Roberta Tovey as Susan, uh, Jenny Linden as Barbara, and Roy Castle as Ian. It was followed by Dalek's Invasion of Earth in uh, 2150 AD in 1966. The story is based on the Doctor Who television series serial The Daleks, uh, produced by the BBC, filmed in Technicolor. It is the first Doctor Who story to be made in colour and in a widescreen format. Uh, the film was not intended to form part of the ongoing storylines of the television series. Um, elements on the programme are used, however, such as various characters, the Daleks, and a police box time machine, um, albeit in a reimagined format so that is kind of give you an introduction to it um, as the uh, production so amicus bought an option to make the story and two sequels from terry nation uh and the bbc for 500 pounds uh, principal photography commenced at um Sheppington Studios in England uh, in April 1965 and took six weeks to film. Uh, the film was produced on a budget of £180,000, equivalent to ah, dyspraxias coming in, um, dyscalculus coming in strong here, equivalent to um, £3,563,087 in today's money. Uh, the Daleks were redesigned slightly for the film. They had larger base sections and dome lights than the TV Daleks of the time, making them more imposing, and some were fitted with a two-jawed mechanical claw instead of a plunger. They also had more colourful paint schemes, with two Dalek leaders being painted respectively in black and red. Originally, the Daleks were to be armed with flamethrowers, uh, but these were vetoed on health and safety grounds, which is surprising because back in the 60s, there wasn't much in the way of health and safety, really. Not not to today's standards anyway. Like People did get hurt on the original Doctor Who. I think Sarah Jane, uh, she almost died a few times. The, the lady that played her almost died a couple of times, actually, um, uh, yeah, I think it was one was there was in a quarry and there was an explosion and it went off a bit early and I think it almost got her. Um, yeah, so talk about health and safety is quite surprising considering that the show wasn't very health and safety at all. Uh, anyway, um, due to health and safety grounds and because they were considered too frightening for a young audience, instead the guns projected jets of CO2 gas from um, internally mounted fire extinguishers. The actor... Um, Barry Ingram discussed the production in an interview in Australia in 1976 for the Doctor Who uh, fanzine uh, Zanara. In 1995, a documentary about the two Dalek films, Dalek Mania, was released on video. Uh, it revealed details about the productions, spin-offs and publicity campaigns. It was later included for as an extra in many of the home media video releases of the two Dalek films. Um, although... The planet on which the action takes place is not named in the film. It is re retroactively identified as Scarrow in the sequel, uh, matching the name given um, in the television series. Um, as for marketing, uh, as part of the promotional campaign, a number of Daleks were displayed at the 1965 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, single Daleks were also sent further afield, one making an appearance at a cinema in Sydney, Australia. Um, Souvenir Press published a tie-in colouring book for children in 1965 uh, with colour um, 
photographic illustrations from the film on both of the front and rear covers. Um, as for the critical response, uh, Film Guide described the film as limply put together and only for indulgent children. Um, John Clute in the book Science Fiction, the Illustrated Encyclopedia, gives the film one star out of three, stating uh, many people would like to see the Doctor Who television series back. Few mourn the long gone films. Radio Times was more favourable uh, awarding the film three stars out of five, co commenting this spin-off lacks the bite and inventiveness that set the landmark series apart unwisely inter injecting humor into the space scenario and the cheap art direction is strictly one-to-one -one, uh, uses for pink plastic sheeting however despite the many faults it's still a fun ride for both the um, uninitiated and die-hard fans alike that part there when he mentions cheap and plasticky well duh Anybody who's watched any of the old classic Doctor Who, they knew it was clunky. That's one of the joys of original Doctor Who, especially for modern fans, is how clunky and plasticky and cheap everything is. Doctor Who was ran on a shoestring budget. It hasn't got the budget it has got today. It was run on a, sh on a shoestring. You know, they needed to cut corners. And yes, sometimes it was noticeable, but you'd be surprised what you can do on a short budget and how sort of ingenious and how sort of clever you have to be in trying to stretch that budget as far as possible. And it's made for some of the best Doctor Who episodes. Some of the best looking were done cheaply, but are still relatively good and admired because you have to um, compensate for that. And they compensated uh, fantastically for that. So yes, maybe it looks cheap, but that's the joy of a lot of fans and that's just the way of the original Doctor Who shows were, were cheap. Moving on anyway, um, in the garden in 2013, um, Stuart Hedge, um, Cushing does his best, but he's not exactly given a lot to work with. He described the Daleks as so pointlessly toothless here and also criticized the incredibly tedious amount of Dalek dialogue to explain their motives. Uh, the betrayal of the trials and Roy Castle's performance saying uh, to call him Hammy would be to provide the greatest uh, disservice to pigs. Uh, Andrew Nell, that's a bit harsh actually, Andrew Nell of the British Film Institute stated the film was widely derailed uh, uh, by Many fans and critics adding it is certainly an uneven affair. Some scenes still have the capacity to thrill. Others, like the final victory of the Daleks, feel rushed and flat. Uh, the Doctor's granddaughter, granddaughters are largely one-dimensional. The aspect of the movie that most antagonises a purist is Cushing's Doctor. Uh, Nettle described the film as having a wonderfully pulpy science fiction atmosphere, saying uh, the highlight of the movie is, is its looks, and many of the sets are impressive, and the movie Daleks are more impressive than their small screen counterparts. According to the uh, BFI, the Cushion films are often forgotten in the Doctor Who uh, pantheon, which they are. I didn't know that they existed myself. Um, similarly, uh, Stuart Heritage um, 
commented in The Guardian 2013 that people don't talk about Doctor Who and the Daleks anymore. Uh, in 1975, actor Tom Baker, who was playing the fourth Doctor in the television series at the time, uh, commented on the flaws of the film and its sequel while discussing another proposed Doctor Who film, saying that there have been two Doctor Who films in the past, both rather poor. Uh, there are many dangers in transporting a television series onto the big screen. A lot of things that you could get away with on the small screen wouldn't wash in the cinema. Actually, a bit of trivia here for you. Tom Baker did actually write a script for another Doctor Who movie, um, but it was never picked up. Uh, no one ever sort of decided to go with it. Um, and that he ended up a um, couple of years later, actually, say a couple of years later, a uh, couple of years uh, back, back um, he wrote a book called The Scratchman, Doctor Who The Scratchman. And that book, I haven't read it yet, mainly because... Um, I want to read it, but I've heard it's really, really good, and it kind of ends off the fourth Doctor almost perfectly. Really, it's kind of it's like a, a Tom Baker's love letter to the Doctor, but also uh, it's a nice sort of sign off to um, the fourth Doctor as well. Um, so, what I in my internal monologue, in my internal sort of um, head canon, what I've decided to do is that I'm going to um, Watch the fourth dot, all the fourth dot. Okay, this is going to be a while before I get around to this book, but if I do it this way, but this is how my brain works, so please bear with me. So, I'm going to decide to watch all of the fourth doctor um episodes, and then I'm going to I'm going to put Big Finish to one side because there's so many, so much Big Finish, and there's so much fourth doctor Big Finish episodes that I'm happy to put them to one side. Um, so I'm going to cover all the fourth doctor episodes. Uh, if I can, if there's any, if any that I'm that are not a longer existing or lost to time, because there's there's a lot of Doctor Who episodes that are just lost to time, uh, mainly because back in the day in the BBC, nobody at the time really thought that this thing was going to catch on, that it was going to be as big as popular as it is, and it was the same for any other show at the time. So what they would end up doing is that they would just put put the canisters in storage, and some of them would be put, and they'd get in. What you need to know is about about film, old. I mean, like proper film, like old fashioned film is that um, it was very fragile and that if you put it anywhere near that it was really, really hot um, or water or anything like that um, or just somewhere where it wasn't sort of pristinely sort of climated, which it wouldn't be, um, these films would just get eaten away by bacteria and they would warp and they would just, they just wouldn't work and they would just be deteriorated. And this is and a lot of these old sort of episodes that happened to them, or you would find a lot of these old episodes that um they would just be copied over. That was like, oh, it's an old episode of Doctor. I oh, don't worry about it. We we need the film, so they would just sort of uh, copy over it. Um, so you'd find a lot of the older episodes of Doctor Who are lost to time because of things like this. Um, where was I? I went on a tangent about old film. Anyway, no, I was talking about uh, um, Tom Baker. Yes. Anyway. I'm, I'm kind of like Tom Baker myself. I'm very sporadic. Um, anyway, as I was talking about Tom Baker, I do apologize. I went on a big thing about film. It, like, yeah, he wrote a book um, called The Scratchman, and that is kind of his script of what he wanted to do as a movie. So I will get around to that eventually, and I will cover it. And eventually, when I do read it, I will review it here for all your um, listening pleasure. Um, but yeah, that is sort of the critical response, and that's the production and, and what really went into um this movie it hasn't put me off at all mainly because you know i am a fan of doctor who 
I like the older Doctor Who and I understand and what Doctor Who was for the time. Yes, it was cheap. It was done on a shoestring budget, you know, but that's what makes it fun. And that's why I used to enjoy it. Like when I was young, right, when I was first really discovering the older Doctor Who episodes, um, yeah, you know, I was disheartened at first because they wasn't um, what I knew them to be because of my first sort of, when I first saw Doctor Who was, was with Christopher Eccleston, with a, a big budget, with modern uh, cameras, with modern uh, CGI and, and graphics and that sort of thing. They looks amazing for the time. But I slowly as I watched them, I didn't, I found I didn't watch them for the settings. I didn't watch them for, you know, the, the practical effects or how dated they looked. I watched them for the Doctor. I watched it for his companions. To watch a silly man with a long scarf run around and be silly and offer people jelly babies and to be fun and to be crazy, serious, you know. I was there for the adventure and I quickly just loved it for what it was, was just a silly group of people, silly group of doctors, all each each in their own um, right, in their own personality, each one different, each one fun, doing their own thing. But having incredible adventures. So I didn't I didn't care if things looked stupid or cheap or silly. You know, so I feel like there is a chance I'll watch this movie and I'll enjoy it for what it is, not for I want it to be. And I feel like critics are really harsh. And critics are harsh in anything, really. Um, but to, to say that it looks cheap when you're talking about a movie from the 60s feels really sort of kind of lazy. You know, it does feel lazy to me. Now, I haven't watched this movie. And my sentiments might be the same. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested. I love Doctor Who. I've spent the last 32 minutes sitting here talking about my love of Doctor Who, which I've only realised how long I've been talking. I do apologise. It's probably one of the longest introductions I've done in a very, very long time. Um, But yeah, I'm going to stop talking now because I just realised I've been talking for so long. Um, I love Doctor Who. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're a hardcore Doctor Who fan as well, so you've appreciated all this just as much as I have. Um, So, without further ado, I'm going to get my jelly babies, I'm going to get my long scarf on, I'm going to put my Doctor Who t-shirt on, and I'm going to sit and watch the 1965 classic movie, which I'm sure it is, with Peter Cushing, uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Let's get into it, shall we? Right, so I've just finished watching uh, Doctor Who and the Daleks, and honestly, I loved it. I knew I would. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, I had no doubt that I would enjoy it. I had no doubt that I would have any sort of issue or that I would even agree with any of the um, critics. Um, it's not even the fact of the rose-tinted glasses or being a huge Doctor Who fan. I knew I would enjoy it because I like old movies anyway. I like the jank. I like the cheapness. I like the way that they were, uh, movies and cinema was back then. So I knew on that basis anyway that I would enjoy it. So, again, <laughs> I had no real doubt. But there was a little bit of, of a worry uh, going into it, knowing the fact of, you know, it is Doctor Who... Um, and it's old Doctor Who, it's not anything modern, and this is the oldest any form of Doctor Who that I've watched, and that I was worried that I might not like the changes, or how it being different, or how it was originally, and that sort of thing. That was my only real sort of worry, but as soon as it started, and as soon as I saw Peter Cushing just be Peter Cushing, and, and be his version of the Doctor, um, 
I instantly fell in love. I I fell in love with the with the how very sixties it is and how very groovy and everything's big, bright and technical and wonderful. You know, you know, I I I, I just. I fell in love with everything about it, which is kind of obvious. Um, the version I did watch, though, one thing I've got to admit, and I think this what helps with the version that I watched and what made it pop and what made it look so gorgeous um, today, standards anyway, is that the version I watched was a 4K Ultra HD uh, version. Uh, again, thanks to the people at Studio Canal. Uh, they released, um, which is the DVD version that I've got, a 4K Ultra HD, Ultra HD uh, version of this movie, as well as the, the second film as well. So it has been a brand new res- resolution. And one thing that you have with upscaling resolution, sometimes, not all the time, um, sometimes you get the resolution and because the uh quality of the image is better than it was, you can sometimes see the little issues, the little sort of... Um, uh, <laughs> lack of better words you get to look behind the curtain of the um oz and you get to see sometimes you might see a wire that you didn't see before because it was old bad quality grainy or you might see behind the sets or you might be able to notice certain things and things like that but here if anything it just bolsters what's there it just makes it more it makes everything pop more it makes everything more colorful it makes everything a lot more detailed and beautiful like when for example when the doctor and his companions find themselves in the petrified forest. It's you've got the greys pop, the greens pop, all the trees pop, and everything is just beautifully detailed. And again, it adds to the fact of yes, it was done on a shoestring budget. Doctor Who was, and I'm guessing I would imagine that the movie got a bit more budget than the show did. Um, I don't know that for sure, but everything just pops and everything just looks good. So in the 4K resolution. You get to see all the extra detail, the extra texture, the extra technical, that that gorgeousness of the 60s really comes to life on screen. And again, for that, I was flawed, um, especially for a movie from the 60s. You know, it just it looks good. It looks really, really good. Um, one thing I will say, though, it doesn't look cheap. It literally looks like they had a budget. It actually looks like uh, they tried. And, you know, it it looks what you'd expect for a movie from the 60s, honestly. Um I don't know what more these the other sort of um, critics expected. It's a move from the 60s. It's not going to be, you know, flat screen TVs, phones and, and the Internet and, sh- and stuff like that, because you he, he didn't have that kind of stuff um, in the 60s. You know, let's be honest with us. Everything was practical, you know, so you had to have the practical effects. You had to have, um, you know, little you'd have little buttons and knobs and things like that that would blink. And if there's to do sci fi, they would go to like. You'd find a lot of movies, if you're ever really interested in how movies are made, um, you watch any sort of documentary from movies back in the past, not even in the 60s, even like from the 90s, 80s, 70s, um, you'd find a lot of, and I'm probably sure today as well, you'd probably find that a lot of prop makers would go to uh, charity shops or hardware stores and just buy things from there and then they would retrofit them to make them look science fiction. Like, for example, the best example I can give, um, in... Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace. Uh, the communicators that they're using. So you ever see Qui Gon Jinn talk to communicator or Obi Wan? Very futuristic, doesn't it? That was a lady shaver. I can't remember what it was, but that was a lazy lady shaver. All they they took the top off, took the blade out, and what the body of it that was left, they used and stylized to make it look like a communicator because it looked futuristic anyway. But you don't know because 
you know, the way they've done it. And that was the kind of way that they do things back in the day was the fact that they tried their best with what they had. You know, it looks very 60s. It looks very well. It doesn't look cheap at all. It looks like they've got, had a budget. Um, and it looks, it's fun. It's an adventure. And like I do with everything else, I don't watch it for things of what I want it to be. I watch it for what it is and I appreciate it for what it is. And I review it for what it is. I don't review it for what I wanted it to be. Now, yes, I might give my sort of thoughts and feelings near the end and be like, I wish they did this. I wish I did that. But I don't let that sort of negate what I actually got. I will say what happened, what I got and what I thought. And then I'll give my opinions of I wish they did this, I wish they did that. But I will still tell you if I enjoyed what it what it was for what it was or if I didn't like it for what it was, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I disagree with it looking cheap. I don't think it looked cheap at all. Generally, it looked like a budget, 60s movie, technical, beautiful, grand, gorgeous, right? Um, the set design for the TARDIS was incredible because, again, the Doctor, you know, he is he's not a, he's not from Gallifrey. You know, he is a human uh, in He's a scientist and the way they designed it, it doesn't look like what you get like in the TV show, either the classic or the modern. It hasn't got the big column in the middle or the control panel, anything like that. When you first get inside the TARDIS, yes, it's big on the inside and that's because of, of space and the, and the way you can fit space and bend it and that sort of thing. Um yeah, the TARDIS is still the TARDIS, but it doesn't look like the TARDIS on the inside. There's wires hanging all over the place. There's uh, drawings and scribbles on the walls. There's bits of um, what's the, what's called like machinery here and there. There's scanners and there's tubes and wires, and it, it looks generally like you know he is a scientist. That's very very clever. Probably if you could even say mad scientist. He made this in his back garden through parts that he got from like the hardware store and things like that, um, and he just made it together with him and his his granddaughter and his um oh is it niece yeah uh, barbara and susan you know it just looks like that's what he did you know it looks like he just invented it himself and it makes sense for the character and for the setting so again i enjoyed the 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 workings of the tardis for what it is because it made sense in the story that it would look like that it wouldn't make sense you'd have somebody who was again not saying he wasn't very very clever and he probably couldn't but he is just a very clever person who made a time machine in his back garden. I wouldn't expect it to look like a huge spaceship on the inside or like a really, really advanced. I would expect it to look a bit hodgepodge, but it works. And that's what matters. Yeah. Organized chaos is the best way I can explain it. Uh, the set design as well for Scarrow is incredible. The way that the Daleks look, I love. Um, they're bigger, bulkier. Um, I even love the bit where they have little... Um, fire extinguishers as, as nozzles i don't need the practical effects i don't need the you know i don't need any of that and the puff you know i'm happy with a fire extinguisher because in the time of this when this takes place the daleks are, are advanced but they're not as advanced as we get to see them every other time we've seen them in the show and we've seen them in the modern take of the show as well as um elsewhere this is kind of like the not the genesis of the Daleks, but kind of the beginning of the Daleks. You know, bef really before they start to advance. And it gets, it's you get it as well with the Cybermen when you first meet the Cybermen. To you see them like in the in the recent versions of the Cybermen, they're constantly upgrading and changing. So I didn't need the 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 lights show or anything like that. I was happy with the fire extinguisher and how that works. That was fine with me. I liked the addition to the claws. That was fun. You know, there was moments where a, a Dalek. Like they actually use their extendable like um, amendments 
thing. There's amendments, amendment armaments, whatever. You know, the plungers extend. So that whenever they're having prisoners, they'd extend them so it would block the prisoner from walking. Like, don't move any further. You know, it was very authoritarian. Like, do that, don't move. We'll bring it back, move. There was one where they had the claw and Ian was getting a bit brave, getting a bit hostile. And the Dalek literally put the, didn't pull it around his neck, but got close to kind of, putting it around his neck and that really shows what the Daleks are and who the Daleks are and how they act and, and treat other um, species you know so th that all really worked so I like the design of that again Skara looks in incredible you know uh, I don't really know I'll be honest I haven't watched a lot of the classical episodes as I said in the introduction so I don't really know the story between the Thals and the Daleks but you know from this I was able to kind of see that like this Skaro it, it's been um destroyed by atomic war all that's left are the thals and the darks now get on to the story part of it in a minute um but the set design again it's it makes sense you're in a petrified forest whenever you touch any of the trees um they fall to pieces like ash they break away that's beautiful there's there's bits there's greens there's um grays there's you could have they've got painted backgrounds which again i've mentioned many times i love a painted background in a, in a live action or animated movie I love it. There's painted backgrounds. There's the huge moon asteroid thing in the sky behind them, which looks gorgeous. And again, it, they, the 4K Ultra HD really helps. It makes everything just pop. You know, it makes everything just go like, wow. You know, mwah, je ne sais quoi. I think just bah, 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 lovely. Um, you know, so everything about this thing is so 60s and so um, Doctor Who, but in a different way. I love it. You know, I love it for that. Um, again, as for sort of uh, the, the actors, Peter Cushing, he's fun. He's in, like he's really fun, as incredible as as the Doctor, because he's not the Doctor that we see. You know, he is he's a Doctor that is full of joy and curiosity, but also odd, like the Doctor should be. He's an odd bloke. He's an odd fellow. You know, he's weird. He's wonderful. You know, he is <laughs> human at the end of the day you know and i'll expand on that in a minute in, in later but he is a fun version of the doctor you know he can see but the doctor in this he doesn't do a lot because he's not a girlfriend he's human he cares about not saying the doctor our doctor doesn't care about his companions um but he's just a clever man who happens to find himself in a situation um and he tries to find his best to um get out of it by using his brain Really, not knowing, you know, he doesn't have the chance of regeneration or anything like that on his side. He's just being brave and being and clever and being curious and being fun. And he's just a joy. He's a real, real joy. So Peter Cushing, incredible. I'd love to see more of Peter Cushing. I really, really, I know we can't, but I'd love to see more of his doctor. Um, like I say, he's a bit odd. Um Again, like I'd love to see more of him and young Susan go on more adventures. They have a really great chemistry together, a really great dynamic between grandfather and granddaughter. Because um, you can tell that she is his favourite. Uh, she's very, very clever for her age. There are many moments where she, again, she's very, uh, very brave. She will go out and do things. She will take the lead. Um, and the Doctor fully, 100% followers follows her like in this like he's not holding her back like yeah you're very brave very clever like go forth you know go do your thing um obviously in this one thing i do want to mention that he he's actually not called doctor he's actually called not he's not called the doctor like most people say oh the doctor the doctor in this he actually uses the full name doctor who um that always made me think of like is his name say like 
again, it's just a random name, but like Steve who, you know, Walter who, that sort of thing. Is is it Susan who, um, Barbara who, that sort of thing. Is it like a last name? But they all call him sort of Doctor Who. None of them call him Doctor. In my mind, I kept thinking, like, just call him Doctor. It would make it so much easier than saying just Doctor Who all the way through. But it's one of them things of, like, um, that meme when, um, uh, what's his name now? Leonardo DiCaprio in the Tarantino movie where he sees this thing. He goes, hey, hey, he said the thing. That, I was like, that. He's like oh, look, he said the, said the word Doctor Who. In, in, you know. So I had that little nerdy sort of little moment. I love it. Um, but, yeah, I love the dynamic between Peter Cushing uh his doctor and susan absolutely really great susan's very young at this point it's not the um older susan that we see in the show this is a very younger susan um as for ian he moans a lot in this you know for the first half hour of the story he's just constantly moaning he doesn't want to be there like you think like i'm not saying everybody would but if you got given the chance to go through time and through space and to be teleported to another planet you wouldn't be a bit curious to go, you know what, you know, I'd like to be at home, yes, but I'm on a new planet. Let's do a little bit of exploration, all right? Like, okay, 10, 20 minutes exploration, and then let's go home. Straight away, like, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here. I'm meant to be on a date with Barbara. Uh, I don't want to be here. Uh, well, I, don't like, I don't like this, don't like that. Everything's an issue, everything's moaning. We should have went back, we shouldn't have stayed here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, come on, Ian. He does eventually come into his stride and, and becomes a bit more braver and actually more proactive and stops moaning. But for the first half hour, the first sort of half hour, he's, he just moans all the way through. Um, as for Barbara, she doesn't really do much. Uh, I've watched I watched the movie twice as I, as I've, I do. Even though you don't really need to, this is only an hour, twenty two minute long film. It goes by very very quickly. It's not a long sort of movie. Um, but I watched it twice just to get all the little bits of details here and that I missed. And oddly enough, I didn't miss many details. But I, one detail that I did uh, notice um, was the reason why I wrote it down in the notes. is that Barbara, she doesn't really do much. She's not the damsel in distress. She's not the sort of... Um, she, again, Ian does all the moaning, so she's not the sort of the moaning character. Doesn't really help out a lot because Susan has that covered. So she's just kind of there. You know, and I, I, I did. I tried to focus on what really Susan does. It's not a lot. I mean, not Susan. I mean, um, Susan. No, Susan does a lot. I mean, um, Barbara. I mean, Barbara doesn't do a lot. And I, I couldn't figure out as to why. She was just there, you know. And it kind of, again, it kind of makes sense because she comes into the TARDIS after the Doctor and Susan show Ian the TARDIS and try to, he, again, he freaks out. It's like he's big on the inside and all this sort of moment that they have, which is quite cool. I like how they kept that back then. So it's it's not a modern thing. They still had it back then, which I love. Um, but also, you know, when Barbara comes in, she's like, oh, I knew you'd be here and here. And then um, Ian falls backwards, falls onto the controller, which, by the way, the controller to make the TARDIS actually go forward in time and space or teleport to different planets um, is literally, it's so much cool. It's like, it's a, it's a flight stick, really, from a, like, I would say a bomber because it's one of those U ones and you hold it on the either side and you can push it, let you push it back and forth, that sort of thing. Um, it's a flight stick with a, um, what's it called? A piece of metal from the stick handle all the way to the floor and it feels like a little pressed plate with a wheel and when you push it forwards that makes the tardis travel um he falls on that and then barbara kind of gets stuck stuck in this sort of adventure that they're on and again she's just there from start to finish um but i don't again 
makes sense because she got stuck there. She didn't want to go in the first place, but she just gets on with it. She just follows her grandfather and Susan along for the journey. And Ian just does all the moaning, really. Um, so that's what the main, main character is like. For me, Peter Cushing and Susan uh, are real, the huge standouts here. Um, as for so the Daleks, they are fun interesting i love the story here involving them and the uh fowls uh, t-h-a-l i think i'm pronouncing that right um again i haven't watched much of the uh classic um who like the original sort of uh, uh william hartnell that sort of era of doctor who so I, I don't really know much about their um history in terms of how it links into the daleks as well as the um show but to be honest, I think this film does a good enough job to really explain what happened. So to give you the, the long and short of it, um, the Daleks and, well, the people that were the Daleks and the Thralls, they went to war with each other. And through atomic war, there was through because of the radiation that uh, there was mutations and that uh, to protect the, the people that eventually become the Daleks, to protect themselves from the radiation they built, battle suits which are the daleks which is the well, the iconic look right they built them to kind of withstand it anybody else who couldn't get into one of those suits um changed and evolved and some evolved into hideous monsters which you don't really see much of them really you see one of them that's been petrified um but apart from that you don't really actually see um any real sort of monsters just a hint that they're there um but the thals they've um changed and evolved to withstand the radiation and you don't see them at first that you meet the daleks first and the darks are like there are mutations out there there are creatures out there that have evolved that they're hideous that they're disgusting that um they're, they're hideous monsters and when you first meet the thals you're like well they look just like us and then you, the doctor gets to talking to him and he goes and they basically explain that um, the the form of having two eyes, uh, two hands, five fingers each, toes, ha like that sort of thing, bipedal, humanoid, was just a natural organic sort of evolution to live and survive in this um, environment. Um, and I won't go into specifics about the story and how they sort of connect to the story because, again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, but... I love their story between them and how the Thals, they basically got to the point where they realized their um, mistakes of their ancestors of war and hate and destruction, that they, they're a complete peaceful race, that they don't, they want to trust the Daleks. They don't want to believe the Daleks are evil. And all they really want to do is work peace with the Daleks and to um, get help because the Daleks have all the food and the resources, the Thals, not so much. They have some technology, but it's not really enough. They're starving, they're dying, and they want to get peace with the Daleks so they can get back to rebuilding uh, Scarrow, which they don't really call it Scarrow, but if you know your law, you know it is Scarrow. Um, and that's what they want. So they, they're a peaceful race. The Daleks have been a very warlike race. They don't want peace. They just want to sort of kill all the Thals so they can take over and keep living and taking over and conquering as the Daleks do. Um, so... It, for somebody who is new to Doctor Who, who's new to the whole idea behind Daleks, it's a great introduction to the idea of who the Daleks are, what the Daleks want, and the lore around Scarrow the Daleks. You don't see... Um, oh, I'm, I'm really bad at me. I'm forgetting his name. Ah, oh, I can't believe it. Um, ah, oh, Davros. That was it. I don't know why I was blanking. You don't see Davros 
in this. Davros is not hinting at. There's no mention of Davros. I don't know if it's because he wasn't thought yet or um, he was already in the show. I'm not really sure. Uh, but you don't see any sort of hint of Davros yet. Um, there are no... Um, what, there was nothing I was going to mention. There was no hints at... Um, obviously Gallif uh, Gallifrey and Time Lord anything like that um, it's simply just a story with the Daleks and the Thals and it's a pretty good story very very interesting you know so it does enough to kind of interest you and bring you into the whole idea of who the Daleks are and what the Daleks who are like what they are and what they're doing and that sort of thing you even you even get a slight glimpse of actually what a Dalek looks like underneath the armor um, which was uh, quite cool quite interesting to be honest um, so there's that um, also I, I love how the doctor, as I mentioned earlier, he is a human. You know, he is—he's not a time lord. He's not a Gallifreyan. He's—he's got one heart. He's just a human um, who made a time machine in his garden, and he goes on adventures. Or actually, hasn't been on adventures yet. He basically made his when the movie begins. He makes his final piece, and that's when Ian comes in. He shows him in the TARDIS. Uh, the Doctor fits this new unit. They—they're um, they going to take it for a spin. Before the doctor could put in any sort of location, sort of data where they want to go, uh, Ian actually falls over, hits the thing, and they get travelled to Scarrow, and the adventure begins. But I just love how he's a human, and, I, and that's kind of what Doctor Doctor originally was. I think I've mentioned this before in other times I've, I've talked about Doctor. Um, that Doctor originally um, was meant to be an educational um, tool. It was a way that the BBC could teach kids about science and history, um, but in a fun way, in a way that um, kids would find interesting. Um, and I, I don't really, there is a quote by Terry Nation, but I don't know if by art, so I don't want to bush, uh, um, butcher it. But Terry Nation was one of the head writers, lead writers of Doctor Who. Um, and he basically said that you should never talk down to a child, that you should never treat a child like a child. You should treat them like they have some sense, uh, that they have a bit, uh, that they know what's going on, that they're quite clever. Um, and that if you try to strive for the best in children, if you show them the best in themselves and in the world, they will grow and hopefully strive to be better. And um, the that idea fully transpired in the show where like you try to show a doctor that had issues that had problems but he was human he wasn't alien and that you could relate to him which you still can relate to the Gallifreyan sort of doctor as I have and as many other fans have um but it was it was an education tool and it was a way to teach kids um because he was a human that's what he was he was a human eventually I think the idea was that he was a human from the far future um who had a time machine and then eventually as the um series went on and then we brought in regeneration and then the, the Gallifrey and Time Lords and all that sort of came into it but originally it was just like a man from the future who was a human uh, who built a time machine and I like that I like how the show, uh, the uh, the movie sticks to that they don't go full Gallifrey and it is just a really clever bloke that's built a time machine in his garden uh, using the frame of a police box I love it yes he calls it a TARDIS but it's not the TARDIS but that's fine because it works the same and it, it, it's fun. It's interesting. That's what it's meant to be. This is meant to be for kids at the end of the day. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be interesting. It's meant to pull you in and really sort of excite you and get you into this adventure. Um, like I said, uh, and what, uh, as I mentioned as well for the set design, the Doctor being a human really shows in the TARDIS interior how there are wires, how there are um, writing and things like that on the wall. There are things going on that yeah it doesn't look alien it just looks like he has built it in his garden because he has he's built it in his garden 
and it, but it works beautifully because he's a mad genius you know so i love that i really really do i love the extra bits of detail um so yeah so that is my is my sort of thoughts and feelings on the on the film uh, my overall sort of conclusion is that I'm really excited to see the next movie. I, to be honest, I, I wanted to watch it. As soon as this film finished, finished I really wanted to sit and, and watch the second film because I have the second film on um, 4K Ultra HD uh, on DVD. Um, so I really wanted to sit and um, watch it. I really, really wanted to. Um, but I thought, no, I'll savour it. I'll savour that joy and I'll wait for another time for that when I'm... Um, when I'm ready, but I will do as soon as possible. As soon as, because I've got other things I want to review and talk about um, first. So I won't be looking at that yet, but that will be on my list and I'll watch it as soon as I can, as soon as I'm free. Um, but I just want to see more Peter Cushion. I want to see more of him. I want to see uh, what happens next. I know the next story is another Dalek story. So I want to see how that works, how that adds into it and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Again, and not just, I want to see more 60s science fiction. I want to watch... I've, I'm in the mood for more 60s science fiction movies. It doesn't have to be Doctor Who. Just very 60s B-movie, A-movie uh, films. I'm going, to have, I'm going to have a look, see if I can find some. I probably won't review them. I'll probably just watch them for my own enjoyment. But it just got me in the mood for more 60s funk, more 60s groove, more sort of just... Yeah, you know, old-fashioned, timey-wimey um, movies. Um, of that era like it doesn't have to be science science fiction but I, i'm kind of craving the old old-fashioned um 60s flavor at the moment <laughs> uh, so it's really got me in, in that sort of mood um the only real criticism i have about this movie um it's not really a criticism and it's not really a failing it's just something that i want to mention um and i won't go into real specifics um but it's the ending of this now again the ending is not really any sort of spoilers but i'm going to try my best to explain it in a way that if you're a doctor who fan you'll understand um and if you're not a doctor who fan you'll understand also um at the end of every episode of doctor who um you always have a moment where the doctor will be with, with his companions because the doctor never stays for the big hurrah he's not about sticking around and hogging all the glory like yeah i saved the day i saved your life i saved your life he's not there for the fame for the glory the doctor comes he helps people, he saves the day, and he leaves, right? He's not about the big glory, right? So, and then this movie, events happen, all is well, and the Doctor and his companions, you know, they, they decide, okay, it's time to go back home. Now, we've had our fun, had an adventure. It's time to go back home um, where it's safe, right? Um, and usually in the, in the TV show, the Doctor would have a little moment between the companions. They might sort of... Uh, have a conclusion or they have a laugh or some sort of joke and they hop back in the in the TARDIS and then the music starts you know the doctor music would stand and and then it would end right in this it's really confusing like it feels like there was more there but they decided to cut it short so basically they're in the TARDIS um and the doctor does what he does on the things he goes it's all right in uh, considering you're the guy that got us here, I think it's up to you now who should take us home. So Ian goes, okay, no problem. He pushes the lever. The TARDIS does its thing. Um, they all laugh. And the doctor sitting in his little little rocking chair. He's like, let's go then. Uh, so Ian goes to the doors. He opens the doors up. And what does he see? Um, Ro Roman legionnaires running towards the TARDIS. So he quickly closes them. He panics. He's like, oh, God, no. Ooh, ooh. Ah. Like it's, it's a very comedic sort of thing. And again, 
Ian for this whole movie is just pure it's just comedy a lot of things he does is just for comedic effect he falls over he trips up he hits himself he walks into things apart from, as well as moaning he's just there as, as a comic humor sort of person right um so yeah he sees the 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 legionnaires he quickly closes it he, goes, ah, ooh, ah, he, he. he runs away and um he's pressing all the buttons ah, he's pretty freaking out running around and the doctor and and, and susan and um Barbara looking at him like what? Because again, they haven't seen what he's seeing. They're like what? But they don't say it. There's that look of like confusion on his face. And then he turns around as he's pushing the lever back and forth more and more. And he just looks at the doctor. He's like, "Well, you're not going to do anything." And that's it. It fades to black, and then the um, credits roll. And it feels like there was more to that scene, potentially. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's in the special features. But he just feels like there was more to that scene. Generally, it fades. To, like Doctor Ian goes, "Are you going to do anything?" And the Doctor looks like has that confused look on his face. Fades to black, and I'm like, I feel like Woody in Toy Story two when he's watching Woody drowned up, and he's like, "Okay, okay, okay, let's wait for the next episode." And then Sticky Pete comes over and he goes, "Ah, it was show was cancelled after that." And he's like, "What? What do you mean? What happened to the next episode? We've got to find out about if he saw if he saved the critters or not." Well, the show was cancelled. Once Sputnik went up in the sky, all people wanted was space toys. And that's how I felt. I just felt the fact of like, yeah, okay, let's see the next episode. And then it gets poured into my legs. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how it ends. Bit bit odd, you know. I don't know, maybe it was like they, they'd filmed more of that scene and then they had to cut it because... Um, Maybe the movie was going too long. I don't know. Again, maybe it's in the special features. They explain it. But it's a very odd ending. Very, very odd ending. Like, if it's played for comedy, it's it's funny at first. and But until it actually ends. And then you're like, ha, huh, oh. Hold on a second. Why are you ending now? This is You're ending too soon. You, 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 you haven't, that's not how you end it. You know what I mean? So that was a bit of a bummer, to be honest. That's the only real issue I have with this film. It's just the end is, 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 is abrupt. It, it's odd. Yes, the Doctor saved the day, but if you're going to end it, edit at that when they all jump back in the TARDIS and then end it there. Don't keep it going. Have that comedy moment. Ian freaking out, pushing buttons and trying to wiggle in the, the um, flight stick back and forth to make the TARDIS travel. And then him turn around saying to the Doctor, you're not going to do nothing. And that's it. It just feels a bit like there was more there or just feels odd. But that is the only real failing I have with, with this film and again it's not major it's not huge it might bother some people it bother, might not bother other people it's just something that I wanted to mention because I just found it incredibly odd um, but apart from that overall this movie's great if you're a Doctor Who fan watch it you'll probably enjoy it especially if you like the classic Doctor and if you were the classic Doctors or you like the classic series or you just like old movies definitely time to give it a go like i said i watched the um 4k ultra hd version from studio canal um you can pick it up on amazon that's like i'm not trying to advertise for it but if you're interested you can find it on amazon just type in uh, doctor who uh doctor in the daleks and you can probably find it there um you can get the sequel as well from studio canal again 4k ultra hd if you if you want to watch it there um, or i think it might be on Brickbox. i'm not sure but if you are interested definitely go look for it it's, it's quite easy to get find now um definitely worth it really really is it's a lot of fun it's, again it, it's it's only short it's an hour 22 minutes it's not a long movie it's not gonna take you a lot of time um if you've got kids that like doctor who get them into it and if you just like doctor who yourself then by all means but um that's my thoughts and feelings that's what i thought about this wonderful movie um 
I hope you all sort of like this ep- this this episode, like this journey into it. I hope you like. I want to do more looking into more of the Doctor Who movies. I want to look into the sequel, and then I'm looking. I'm actually really really looking forward to watching the Doctor Who movie with um, uh, Paul Paul McGann. Can't wait for that at all. So that should be fun. And um, yeah, so expect a lot more movies from me there. Um, but. If you like what you hear heard here today, you can find the Nerd Sadger podcast and more things from me. Basically anywhere and everywhere that you can find podcasts, really. Uh, just go into Google, type in the Nerd Sadger podcast, and it will give you a huge list of places you can find me. Uh, the only place you won't find me um, is Apple uh, Podcasts, uh, but you can also find me on Audible and places like that. Um, if you listen to this on uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and all that jazz. Uh, you know, a comment underneath if you're a Doctor Who fan or if you've watched this movie or if you're interested in watching this movie um, most most likely there'll be a pinned comment so you can reply to that or um, write your own comment underneath um, also don't forget to follow me on Twitter at nerdsagic underscore pod for more Doctor Who things and other nerdy things I'll be talking about. Um, if you listen to this on Spotify, again, don't forget to give a like. Uh, a like. Don't forget to give me a star rating for one to five stars. Five stars, best thing in your life. You love Doctor Who and you think, you know, I know what I'm talking about and I'm a huge fan and you love Doctor Who and woo! Um, or one star, you feel like I was contor- I was speaking complete horse whittle and that, you know, you're not a Doctor Who fan. Whatever you feel like is fair. One to five stars. Um, it helps me out immensely. The more rating I got, the higher the rating, um, the more my podcast gets shown on Spotify. So it helps me out immensely. But um, that is everything. That is your lot. Um, I am pooped out from at the moment because i've had a long day um but i hope you all have a wonderful day if you listen to this at night listening in the morning listening to on to work whatever happens i hope you have a fantastic day hope you feel fantastic hope you are fantastic and i will catch you in the next one bye bye 